0: I, just, I felt compelled to, to, to tell you. If you don't know who I am, by the way, my name is John Doggett, and I'm the student pastor here at Pursuit Church. If this is your first time, I definitely want to welcome you and just so glad to have you with us today. I want to tell you how awesome the God we serve is. You know, as we were going through this week, back three or four weeks ago, Taylor and I began to talk through some of the things that we were going to do in student ministry. And We just felt so led along with the other leaders. We felt led to have what we were calling a night of prayer. And we had that this past Wednesday. And students, if you were there, was it awesome? It was awesome, right? So I just can't tell you what what God did in that moment. But we felt so led to have a night of prayer. And, you know, God's just working in the background. We're not even communicating about this thing. And and Jordan uh, announces that we as a church are going to go into 21 days of prayer. And I just have never ceased to be amazed at how the Lord works, and He just ties things together, and His timing is perfect. And so we are beginning our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so I want to tell you a little bit about that this morning. So one of the reasons that I'm speaking with you today is that Pastor Jordan, for some time now, and very much so after last week's service, um, has felt led by the Lord to get alone uh, for 21 days. And so Jordan has, has gone uh, to, a, to a desolate place, um, to a place in the wilderness by himself uh, for the next 21 days where he's seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting. And I want you to know that as a church family, we're right there with him. And so over these next 21 days, we want to join God and what he's doing here at Pursuit. We want to support Jordan and our leadership. And so we're calling on our church family to join us for the next 21 days in prayer and fasting. And to accommodate that, we're we're doing a couple of things. So we are going to uh, open our facility here, our sanctuary, twice daily each day for the next 21 days. So from 6 to 7 a.m. and from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., we want to call on you as a church family to join us here and come to the altar and just to pray. And you don't have to feel obligated to be here for both or, or, or either. But we want to ask you that if you can be here, if you can come, whether you can give five minutes or you can give an hour of your time, that we just want to open this facility up to you. So that's 6A to 7A every, every day and 6P to 7P. The only exception to that will be on our Wednesday nights where we push it back by one hour to support our ministries. So please plan on joining us here over these next 21 days as we lift up Jordan in prayer and as we go to the Lord to seek His guidance. Today, I'm going to speak a message to you about the five key or six key essentials that we can learn from the prayer life of Jesus Christ. I want you to know something. As a church, we are a praying church. We believe that prayer is the answer to everything, and we know that prayer is the foundation of God's people. We know that that's how God's people connect with Him, and we are called to do that. And who better to learn how to pray than from Jesus Christ? And He gives us so many examples in Scripture. You see, the first key essential in the prayer life of Jesus Christ is Jesus had a time for prayer. Jesus made time for prayer. In Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, Jesus prioritized his prayer life. It was important to him. He made time for it. Absolutely nothing separated Jesus Christ from his prayer time. Jesus wasn't too busy. He didn't get too caught up in life. He didn't get too caught up in teaching or preaching or healing the sick or raising the dead or casting out demons to spend time with the Father. You see, he made time. He prioritized time. It was important to him. There was nothing more important to Jesus Christ than spending one-on-one time with God the Father. And so, as a church, as a people, as a Christian people, I have to ask you, if Jesus Christ thought it was important enough to pray each day to His Father, how much more so important it is to us? You see, Jesus had a time to pray. In Luke 5:16. It says, Jesus often prayed. It says, but but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. You see, Jesus' prayer life, it was not irregular. It was regular. It wasn't on again and off again. It wasn't only in a time of great distress and great need. But it was regular and it was predictable. And I feel like that so many times as a praying people, that our prayers become very spasmatic. They, they become very on again and off again. It seems like so many times we only seek the Lord when we're in great distress or we're in trouble or we're facing a life-altering decision, and then we really seek the face of the Lord. But see, that's not what it looked like for Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't only try, go, go to the Lord when there was times of distress in his life. He went to the Lord out of reverence Every day of his life, throughout the day, multiple times per day. He had a constant prayer life. In fact, it says that we should pray without ceasing. I want you to know that God has a standing appointment with everybody in this room. Every single day, God has a standing appointment with you. And you see, when we don't show up for that appointment, we stand God up. And we tell him that it's not important. And it's funny that there are those of us in the room that are just one x ray, one bad decision, one overdose away from a tremendous prayer life, a renewed prayer life. See, we want to make spiritual withdrawals, but we don't want to make spiritual deposits. He had a time to pray. Do you have a time to pray? The second essential that we can learn from the prayer life of Jesus Christ is that he had a place to pray. It says in Mark that he would go off to a solitary place. So many times you read in Scripture it says he would go to a private place. He'd go to a solitary place. He'd go to a lonely place. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ would get alone with God the Father. He would get in a place that wasn't wrought with distraction. He would get in a place where he could focus and he could concentrate on that prayer. He wouldn't go to a place where he had constant distractions. It was void of distraction. And so it is very important that in our lives we have a place to pray, just like Jesus. That's a place where the cell phone isn't. That's a place where the email and the text messages and the kids aren't. A place where we can get in private, we can get alone, and we can seek Him and we can focus. In Matthew 6, 6, Scripture says, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want you to know that it doesn't matter where your place of prayer is. Everyone will be different. It doesn't matter where where it is. It could be a broom closet. It can be a room in your house. It can be your office. See, it doesn't matter as long as it's a place where you can get in a solitary place, in a quiet place with God the Father. For me, that looks like the first of my morning. When I get out of bed, it looks like that room in my house where I know I can go and I can lift up my hands and I can raise my voice and I can put him first before the distractions of my day come. Because I know it's coming every day, don't you? When you wake up in the morning, don't you know it's coming? Don't you know the the trials are coming, the temptations are coming? That person's going to make you mad as soon as you walk through the door at your work or job or even in school. But yet when you get alone with the Lord in the morning and you give that day to Him, it's amazing how He can bless that day and change your attitude and make you walk through that day with a sense of confidence and a smile on your face and an outpouring of love just like Jesus showed. So He had a time and He had a place and He was there every day. Every day. The third essential that we can learn from the prayer life of Jesus Christ is that Jesus would pray out loud. He would pray out loud. In Matthew 26 and 39, it says, And he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Scripture says Jesus said, right? It says he said it. It didn't say he thought it. It didn't say he meditated about it. It says Jesus fell on his face saying, saying. Jesus' prayer life was so on fire and so intense that even the disciples looked to Jesus to teach them how to pray. They could have asked Jesus for anything. They could have said, Jesus, teach us how to raise people from the dead. But they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray in Luke 11. I want you to know that when you pray out loud, you get focused. Because it takes concentration to speak. And when you call out to the Father and you open your mouth, you become very focused. Because see, that the enemy wants to distract you in your prayer time. He can't get to you in your prayer time. But because he can't get to you, he would love to distract you in your prayer time. And if you're like me and you get up early in the morning and you're face forth before the Lord and you had not had your coffee yet, and you bow down and you begin to pray, how many of you, when you're not praying out loud, there's a whole lot of things start rolling through your mind. Am I right? All of a sudden, the enemy's got me thinking about the text message I didn't return yesterday. He's got me thinking about the grocery list. He's got me thinking about my calendar reminders for the day. But oh, when I open my mouth, when I open my mouth and I begin to shout out and call out before the Lord, all of that goes away. You see, in James 3, we learned that there's power in words. Words speak life and they speak death. And I want you to know that when you shout out to the Lord from your mouth, when you call from your mouth, It will breathe life into your prayers. And God will honor those prayers because it is breathing life into them. I want you to also know that when you go into that time and you go into that place and you begin to shout out before the Father that there are angels that surround you in that time. The enemy can't get into that time. You don't believe me? You think about it. When you're anxious and you're stressed out, and everything's going bad, nothing's going your way, and you you just you 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 live in this turmoil, where's the one place that you find peace? When you bow your head in honor of the Father and you begin to pray, because you see angels surround you, and the enemy can't get into that time, the enemy can't 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 penetrate that time because the angels have formed a hedge of protection around you and let me tell you if you're struggling this morning if you're anxious if you've got anxiety if there's things weighing on your mind this morning and you can't seem to get out from under them then you lay it down at the altar in prayer because when you lay it down to the altar in prayer I'm just going to tell you something the last place on earth that Satan wants to be is in a prayer meeting amen he don't want to be in a prayer meeting I can assure you of that In Revelations, it tells us that the elders bow down before the Lord at the throne and they hold golden bowls of incense. And that is the prayers of God's people and he breathes them in. How awesome is that to know that every prayer you lift up, that every time you open your mouth, every time you get into that secret place and that that time, And you open your mouth and you call out before the Lord that they are heard. That they are breathed in by Him. And that He knows your prayers. The fourth essential in the prayer life of Jesus Christ is that Jesus would pray for people by name. He would pray for people by name. In Luke 22, 31 and 32... Scripture says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. You see, Jesus wasn't unspecific in his prayer time. Jesus was very specific in his prayer time, specifically calling those by name, lifting those up by name. And so I have to ask us, as a praying people, are you praying for people in your life by name? Is your prayer life specific? Are you coming before God the Father and speaking their name? Because there is power when you call out the name of your children. Parents, listen to me. There is power when you call out the name of your children in prayer. There is power when you call out young people, your friend's name in prayer. There is power when you call out your parent's name in prayer. There's power in it. Are you being specific in your prayer? Jesus is praying for you, every single one of you. Jesus is praying for you right now by name. Jesus is praying intercessory prayer over every single one of you by name, right now in this moment. If you don't believe that there is power in prayer and there is power in calling the name, think of it like this. Jesus knows exactly how the enemy is going to target you. He knew how the enemy would target Simon Peter. The enemy studies you. He knows your weaknesses and he knows your strengths. And when he comes against you, You need the intercessory prayer of those around you to lift you up by name for your children, for your families. 1 John 5 tells us what happens when we pray. It says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. You see, Our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is not in what we can do, how we can pray. Our confidence is that when we pray to him that he hears us and he answers those prayers. If it's God's will in your life, it will be done. And that's got to be the prayer. The prayer's got to be for God's will to be done, not for our will to be done. I tell you there is power in specific prayer there is tremendous power in calling out by name. If you don't believe that there's power in that, I want you to think of it like this. I want you to think about a wife that's praying over a husband and she's shouting out that husband's name and she's crying out to Jesus, change him, Jesus. Change him. Do something different with him, God. Use him. Make him who I need him to be. And then, unexplicably, you can't explain it, a husband falls on his knees and repents and gives his life to Christ and then stands before a church body and preaches. (laughs) Or what about a mother who falls on her knees in her bedroom and she cries out to the Lord because her son or her daughter has picked up an addiction and it's strangling them and it's choking the life out of them. And they cry out and they say, God, please intercede, be there, be there. Help them, God. I pray over them, God. And that child breaks the stranglehold of addiction or that child doesn't lose their life from an overdose because of the intercessory prayer of a parent. The intercessory prayer of a wife or a husband over the life of their loved ones. You see, Christ will show up inexplicably everywhere. They can't even explain it, how they keep bumping in to Jesus Even when they don't know Jesus. Or even if they know Him and they don't want to follow. But everywhere they turn, they bump into Jesus. And the beautiful part is is that even if they mess up, even if they don't get it right, that intercessory prayer that Jesus will reach down and pull them up. Because of intercessory prayer. The fifth key essential in the prayer life of Jesus Christ that we can learn is that Jesus prayed before making big decisions. Taylor, you guys can come on up. In Luke 6, 12, and 13, it says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them. You see, Jesus Christ didn't enter into life-altering, life-changing decisions light-heartedly and spontaneously. That's not the way it looked in Jesus Christ's life. Jesus would always pray about the big decisions in his life. Jesus would seek the direction of the Father... And the will of the Father before He would ever make a move. And so it it makes me think about our lives. Like, what does that look like? Do we, honestly, as a praying people, do we seek the will of the Father before we make a move? Or do we enter into these life-altering decisions, these life-changing decisions, without ever seeking God in the moment? Whether I'm going to buy that house, or I'm going to buy that car, or I'm going to marry that woman, or I'm going to marry that man. And never seeking God in the decision. And then wondering why the decision doesn't turn out to our benefit. Do you pray before you make big decisions? I want you to know that you are in a church this morning that believes in prayer. You are among a body of believers this morning that not only believe in prayer, but that are unashamed of prayer unashamed to fall face first before the Father to raise our hands and raise our voice and give Him everything and we give Him this church we give Him this body of believers we give Him this leadership team and we give God every single one of you because see it is not for us but it is for Him He will lead this church He will lead us as a body of believers. And He will lead you as an individual. But we have to give it to Him. So we have to seek His direction. We have to present these big decisions. Let me just tell you. No small decision for the church to decide to move to two services. And nor would we want it to be. A huge decision to trust in God and to walk in faith. But we want to present that before him to know that it is his time to move and not our time to move. And the same exists in your life for those big decisions you're facing. And we're all facing them. Are you looking to the Father for those big decisions? In Proverbs 3, it says, trust in God with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And when you do that, he will make your paths straight. And we have to trust. We have to trust that what we can't understand, that what we don't know, that what what doesn't make sense in our feeble human minds makes sense to God. But we have to lay it before Him. So do you trust God with the decisions in your life? The sixth key essential in the prayer life of Jesus Christ is that He often prayed with others. In Luke 9, 28, it says about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him, and he went onto a mountain to pray. You see, God would often have prayer bands, groups of men that he would pray with, because he knew the power of prayer when you brought men and women and children together, and you prayed as a group. In Matthew 18, he says, Truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. There is so much power when we come together in prayer. And I just feel so heavy on my heart today, and I have all week as I've fellowship with the lord in prayer and i've thought through this message and had an opportunity to speak this same message to our students on wednesday and it was just so heavy on my heart that you know there's a lot of things represented here in the room today there's some of you today and your prayer life is on fire you're hot for jesus you're hot for god you're on fire and you wake up and you think about it and there's a time and there's a place and you call out loud and you're not, you're not too big of a man or too big of a woman to fall on your face and ask for forgiveness and direction in your life. And praise Him. Not just come to Him with everything that is wrong, everything that you need, but you praise Him because you're on fire for Him. And then there's some of you who this doesn't even make sense. You've never even, this whole concept, you're just, you're struggling with it. Your prayer life is off, it's so cold, it just doesn't exist. You've prioritized everything in your life above your eternal life with Jesus Christ. You've prioritized your job. You've prioritized your kids' sporting events. You've prioritized your lake time. You've prioritized your hobby time. There's every priority above spending time with God the Father. And then there's some of us here this morning, and we're just lukewarm. We're not hot. We're not cold. We're just somewhere in the middle. If we find time, we'll pray. If we don't find time, we'll not pray. Sometimes we'll read Scripture. Sometimes we won't read Scripture. We're just lukewarm. But see, God calls us as a Christian people to be so much more. In fact, He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, i spit you from my mouth. Be one or the other. Make up your mind. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be on fire for me? Are you going to give your life to me? Are we going to be a thing? Are you going to let me participate in your life? Are you going to let me solve your problems? Are you going to let me help you? Are you going to carry the weight of the world on your own shoulders? Are you going to try to do it by yourself? Are you going to try to walk through this life and just everything is doom and gloom and nothing's ever good enough? And I just, I, I must just have bad luck. You don't have bad luck, you've got a bad prayer life. So i tell you what we're going to do today we're a praying church and we're a praying people and I'm going to tell you something I feel the Lord so thick in this room all week as I've been here in my prayer time and even this morning as I speak to you we're going to lift the Lord up in prayer this morning and I'm going to tell you there's some of you and I want to go back to something I said earlier there are some of us in the room that are just one bad thing away from a tremendous prayer life. You know, it's funny when you when you look through social media and you look through different things that are out there and, and 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 all of a sudden you see when a bad thing happens we just we're calling out for prayer. But what does that look like every day? The Lord is reaching out for you now. Don't miss the opportunity to join him, to be with him, to fellowship with him, to commune with him in prayer and to lift him up. So here's what we're going to do this morning. There are a number of things that we're praying about this morning. The first thing that we're praying about this morning is that we're praying that God takes ownership of everything in this church, that everything in this church, everything in this body of believers, everything in this family of believers, we lift up to him, that nothing be of us and everything be of him. The second thing that we're praying about this morning is our leadership team. We're praying that our leadership team would seek God in a mighty and powerful way and that He would speak to them and He would lead them and He would show them direction and give them clarity so that they can lead you. And the third thing that we're praying for this morning is clarity. Clarity on your role and that we're asking you to pray for. What is your role here in the church? Is it to serve or is it to be served? Is it to participate or to just show up? We want to encourage you to really be in prayer about your role at Pursuit Church and where the Lord is leading you and to seek the Lord in that decision. To seek Him and to fall before Him and ask Him where He wants you. But we're also praying for you as a people. We're praying for every single one of you, you see, because we love you. Just as Jesus loved the church, we love you. And there's so many things that I know are resting on your hearts and minds this morning that you want to give up. And the thing that I want you to just put in your mind and write down on your scratch pad this morning is if you, if you had the opportunity, if Jesus Christ was standing in front of you right now, right here, right in this moment, what would you talk to him about? What would you ask him? What would you do? So, in a moment, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dim the lights, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to think about my brother Jordan, who's alone and by himself. He's got his family, his beautiful family over here, and his newborn son, his daughter, his wife, who we love. And the Lord led him to be by himself to pray and to fast. To seek the Lord's name, to seek his face, and to seek his direction. And so I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna begin to pray in just a few minutes. And as a church family, we're gonna stretch you, we're gonna ask you to fill this altar. Pray in your seat, but we want you to fill this altar. We want you to come before the altar of the Lord, and we know that when we lift up his name in prayer, that he will do something amazing, not only in your life, but in the life of this church in the life of a body of believers because we believe that we can change the world right here from a small church in Denver, North Carolina. We believe we can reach our community. We believe we can reach our kids. We believe that we can reach the unchurched right here and that we can start a monumental effort in Denver, North Carolina. So in a moment, I'm going to back up. The band's going to play. We're going to ask you to come up. We're going to dim the lights And we're going to ask you to raise your voice and raise your hands and give it up to Christ on this altar. And if there's something you're dealing with this morning that you've not been able to get past, something that you need our elders to lay hands on you for, something that you are just struggling with and you are grasping like a drowning person to give it up, what is Jesus? If he was in front of you right now, what would you say? Because that is prayer. Prayer is a conversation, a conversation with God.